5: Brown's Body Shop, 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia or 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin is here to serve Murray and Williamson County. We have over 50 years of business with all the experience combined. All insurance claims as well as unibody and frame repairs and glass claims are welcomed. Call today for selected insurance companies, 931-381-4915 Columbia and Franklin 615-794-1959. Or check us out at www.brownsbodyshop.com.
3: This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM, Columbia.
7: Yo soy Antonio. Que pasa amigo? Great, 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 great Monday to you and yours. Let's make it a great Monday together, shall we? We had a tremendous weekend. Great listener watch party. Great listener watch party on Saturday, and Bino Jeff was there. Uh, We had a Terrific time. Brian Hartman's back today after a week away, and uh, we welcome him back to our microphones today. We got a lot to talk about. Set your calendar for an hour, set your watch, set an alarm. Marcos Garza is going to join us, and we're going to talk about what is getting ready to happen up in Greenville. It's interesting, Marcos has been around for so long. We were talking earlier. And today, ironically, is his birthday, so maybe we'll get Titan's bill to come in and sing happy birthday to him. But um, Marcos, today, um, we were talking, and the judge that's going to hear the case, if you go over to tclub.team, we have a little something about it today, is we're going to track this for you. And, of course, we broke the story on Friday regarding what was going to happen, how it was going to happen over the weekend, who was going to respond to whom and when and all that stuff, and it pretty much played out because that's the way the law goes. It's pretty. Uh, it's, once you start digging in, there there shouldn't be any secrets. Well, circuit court judge Clifton Corker is a guy Marcos knows and has uh, worked with him in the past. And uh, we're going to get him to talk about the case, uh, Marcos, Coming up today at noon, and it's, it's it's rather interesting. In the meantime, Bino Jeff Henderson, it was so great seeing you Saturday. There was a couple hundred or so folks. We filled that place up, all three levels of uh, Corner 16, North Shore Pelham Parkway. We filled the porch up, we filled the inside part up, we filled the restaurant part up, and it was uh, it was a listener watch party for the ages. Um, Bino Jeff as I welcome you in. Absolutely, Tony, and welcome back to Briny. We missed you. Glad to have you back.
6: Uh it was a fantastic event, Tony. Uh I actually had to park at the medical center. Yep. Uh because there was no <laughs> no parking there. Uh it was such a good crowd. A great time um had by all there and
7: appreciate uh, you you giving us the opportunity, Tony. It's fantastic. Well, Brian, I haven't told you about this but. Bino is. Um, could you say a little absent-minded, Bry? Would you agree with that? I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to pile on our on well, our buddy Bino here. I, I generally find Bino the
8: sometimes the best-minded of this trio. Oh,
7: by far. So the other night he was pulling up, and I, I was telling him something about a mutual friend and something that occurred in a mutual friend of ours life. And uh, it's somebody familiar with some of you, but I want to keep it off the air here at, at behest of a mutual friend. But well, at any rate, Bino gets kind of, uh, I don't know, a car comes around the corner. I had just parked and somebody was leaving the place or looking to go find an adjacent area to park. And Brian, picture this. i I'm, I'm, I've got my elbows on his passenger side door and I'm talking to him, okay? All of a sudden, Bino jets his car, jerks his car forward, Bry, and I had to, with both feet, jump out of the way, like I was, like a fire had just gone off in front of me. So we go inside. We go inside, Bry, and he says to me, "I didn't run you over out there, did I?" Now, Bry, is that a good sign when Bino Jeff walks up to you
8: and says, "I didn't run you over out there"? Well, maybe, uh, maybe you got to watch where you're standing at all times. So.
7: I mean, I went to talk to him, and I was almost airlifted, <laughs> like he was on that softball field down
8: in Georgia when he got airlifted out of there. Maybe it's a conversation that could have been had inside, where everybody's safe. I had, uh, the, we had a poor guy
6: blocked there, yep. and, uh, and I. in in my endless efforts to be considerate to everyone but Tony sometimes sacrifices have to be made I probably should have said hey Tony I'm getting ready to pull up a little bit here
1: what a
7: clown I for the life of me now the backstory on that game and how what happened happened is really really interesting now I gave Rick Barnes a lot of love today in the blog and I'm going to do it today on the air you know In order for these coaches today that have been around this a long time to coach, they have to change. They have to be malleable. They've gone from a system where the coaches have, from where they held all the cards and had all the power, and were the kings, the kings of the castle, to where, at the very least, uh, it's now what one would call like a Japanese model in terms of the way you relate to your workers and to those that are essentially under you and in your employ. And and we had talked about this on Garza Law Tennessee basketball overtime immediately after the game, because I had found out before the game that they had had a meeting. Dalton Connect went to Barnes. About a day and a half, or day and a half after, so the game was on Tuesday last week, the uh, South Carolina game, and he went to him Thursday, and he said, "Coach, I don't need this to be about me, and I don't want it to be about me. I, I came here to win. I didn't come here to score a bunch of points and everybody talk about me nationally and." he said, I believed in myself, you know, basically. Dalton Connect's side of this thing is, I believe in myself. I bet on myself. Uh, I believe I'm going to play in the NBA. That's why he got out of where he was. But he essentially said, and Tennessee paid him well. But he essentially said, I'm not here to score a bunch of points. I'm here to win games. Now, you heard the great Rodney Woods on here who made some people mad. Friday when he said, hey, look, these guys are standing around watching this guy play. And he didn't, and and Rodney did not mince his words, Bino. He didn't say, he basically said those guys were borderline unplugged, which, by the way, those of you that got angry with Rodney, Rodney was speaking accurately. That's accurate. And Dalton Connect went to Barnes and said, hey, let's plug these guys back in and I'll do it. I want to sit down with them. And so Barnes, you know, this could have done a, been done a couple of different ways, but Barnes essentially facilitated a meeting for all of them, and they sat down on Friday, and it came at a perfect time. Because when they walked out on the floor Saturday night, and I wrote, we wrote about this today, in looking at that game, Kentucky double-teamed Dalton Connect when he got off the bus. And they didn't stop all night long. They they essentially left ZZ stop wide open. And they left um, Triple J open all night long. And Dalton Connect had to fight for everything that he looked at. Every shot. he The only time he got open shots was when they ran out-of-bounds plays and plays off timeouts. That was it. Otherwise... I mean, it it got so absurd that there were a couple times, I'm looking at it yesterday, there were a couple times where he draws uh, a, 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 a vol screens for him out top, right, to get him an open shot. The screener, instead of rolling, goes with connect. Two guys go with him. On one play, three went with him. Which is why you saw ZZ a couple times drive the lane and there's nobody near him. I mean, they guarded Tennessee like they were, like LeBron James was out there and four Tony Basilios. That's how they they guarded the Vols. So that meeting could not have come at a better time. And Rick Barnes gets two gold stars from me. And A plus plus, A plus plus, A plus plus for managing this situation. Instead of burying his head in the sand and saying, "No, you don't have to do that, Dalton. No, these guys are veteran players. No, he he knew. He saw what we saw. People say, "Well, you guys were overreacting. No, nobody's overreacting. To you. that thing was weird and funky. And good on everybody involved for seeing an issue and rectifying it. Well, Tony, nobody else talking about that. Nobody else is reporting. I don't care what people are reporting. I I didn't care that nobody else reported Friday what was coming down Friday. It didn't mean it wasn't coming down Friday, did it? I mean, you tell me. I think it's great. And look, Rick Barnes is showing me this year that he's very malleable on and off the floor. And credit to him. Because you know it's not. It is not easy. It is not easy. And as a, somebody told me, these basketball seasons these days, now more than ever, are really there to take a group of guys and grow them together. Because as Watson Brown said, we're not dealing with programs anymore. We're dealing with teams year to year to year. Year to year. Teams. Did Kentucky look like you, like they were on the together the other night, like that was a unified group? Looks to me like they've got some work to do in that. They're very talented, but they've got some work to do in that department if you look at their ball club. And somewhere in there is the knowledge that Barnes has as many wins at Tennessee as we have post 1977. In Rupp Arena, you know how hard it is to win in that place for us. You know how easy this guy has made it look. The guy's got nearly a 500 record there. I mean, it's crazy. Is Brian? Is he four and five in that building, or am I imagining things? In nine years, does he have four wins up there, Brian? Yes, that's correct. Four, four wins, five losses. Bino Jeff Henderson, did you think? That was humanly possible to go up there and have that kind of success? Oh, absolutely not, Tony. I've seen, I don't know how many
6: coaches uh, win four games combined there before Barnes got here. No, that's amazing. That's an amazing stat.
8: And some very good coaches had one win up there. He was four of nine, four and nine his whole six years versus, versus Kentucky. Bino,
7: you know, your thoughts on the backstory, because you weren't on with us after the game, and neither, neither were you, Bri, but the backstory, which was they had a Friday meeting, and the two guys, two of the guys that were in the Friday meeting, I believe, scored in double figures. And the, and the guys were Triple J and Vesco. Two kind of fifth-year guys who have looked at times this year a little aimless. I mean, let's just be honest. I don't say unplugged. That's not fair. But aimless is certainly a fair description of how their seasons have gone at various times this year. In and out, sort of. And connect was like, no. uh Uh-uh. This does not have to be about me. This absolutely does not have to be about me. I want to win basketball games. And Tennessee certainly is in a handful of teams, not only from a profile perspective, but from a personnel perspective, from a their due perspective, they're among a handful of teams that could cut the nets down this year. And it's a precious handful. And they are certainly there. Thoughts being star?
6: Well, I, I, I think it speaks highly of who Dalton Connect is. Um, I, I, it, it makes me hold him in even higher regard uh, than I already do. Um, and... Well, I mean, just it, it obviously worked. What Whatever went down, it was, I, I don't think we could have asked for a better outcome. It was everything that four days earlier at South Carolina wasn't. I mean, it was a high energy, high effort performance, uh, took advantage of, of shots at the rim, and for the most part uh, at the free throw line, which we didn't do four days earlier. Yep. Um, most importantly, as, as you've Mentioned, uh, we got an across-the-board effort and production that we'll have to have going forward. I mean, we won a game uh, on the road against a quality opponent uh, on a day when when Dalton wasn't at his best, um, and uh, in, in doing so, put ourselves right back in in the race for the regular season championship, and also. Uh, at least in consideration for a number one seed going forward. So it was uh, whatever they did, however it came down, uh, it
8: worked. Five and, and double uh, figures. I'm glad Yep. everybody involved. I am glad that if they had to go one and one, I'm glad they got the one they did. I'd rather go one and one with the win over Kentucky than a win over South Carolina. That was my point, Brian. One week.
7: Yeah, in retrospect in the blog, my point was, if you're going to force me to choose a one and a one scenario there, and by the way,
8: South Carolina FC won't hurt you. South that Carolina's
7: you. walked out of here and they're still winning. Like they're eighteen and three right now. They're they're Eddie, Kentucky's going
8: to be a big boost.
7: They're three wins away. That Carolina boost. team is. They're three wins away from an NCAA tournament berth. That's what they are. And we are not even the Valentine's Day yet. I mean, they're so comfortably in the field. It's not even funny. Who, who saw that coming? And and, and by the way. Let this be said, that was a hostile environment Tennessee played in the other night. Tony Vall said that crowd was crazy before the game. It was hostile. Hostile environment. The other night, it's really hard to win on the road. That great Houston team went to Allen Fieldhouse and got decapitated. Nobody wins on the road anymore in these games. It's very rare. It's very rare to win on the road. And for Tennessee to do it in that manner, and we were on for a couple and a half hours. We were on to like 1.30 in the morning. And credit Alex Myers, who I meant, I meant to thank today in the blog, because without him I couldn't have done the watch party. We couldn't have pulled this off, him and Laura. Um, but Alex came to the watch party and then hustled here to start the show, which allowed me to hang out at the watch party and see Joshy Boy run with the flag from one end to the other, W. Lynn's flag, Joshy Boy waving it while we chanted, It's great to be a Tennessee Vol. But when you get four guys in double figures on a night like that, when Dalton Connect just kind of blends in, which is what he did, he blended in, and then they had him off the floor at the very end of the game, which I'm going to write about because that was a tactical decision that they made that you might see going forward as well when they have big leads at the end of games. I know that's not for some people, but defense, Beanstar, isn't exactly his forte. But it's so hard to win on the road, Bino. And a couple people pointed this out to me, which I didn't think about until after the game was over. You know, the spread in that game's only 11. That felt like a 30-point win for the Vols. Did date? Did you ever feel like they were threatened? Be now, even a couple times where they got within four, I never felt like, oh boy, we're in trouble in this one. Uh, the 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 only thing that
6: concerned me at all, Tony, was just my disbelief of winning up there. Even even though uh, Barnes does it quite regularly, uh, it uh, that. But no, Tennessee was in control. Uh, from the opening tip off and never really let it uh, escape their grasp.
8: I didn't like the spot though for the balls for having just one up there a few days before. I didn't think Kentucky was gonna lose two games in a row at Rough like that. Especially well yeah, especially coming up playing that game at night on a Saturday night. I figured if it were a midweek game I'd like Tennessee chances much better, or if it were early in the day Saturday maybe, but Saturday night, I just remember the number one team in two thousand nineteen went up there and got beat really badly on a feature game like that. So the spot was something that I was concerned about, but fortunately they proved me wrong. I think that's I was exactly, glad to be wrong.
7: I think that's right, Brian. We um um we were talking Friday about the fact that Kentucky had gotten beat. Kentucky's desperate. Uh, Kentucky's da- in danger, guys, of falling into Quad 2. Now, it's quad win, one win for the Vols because you won on the road. But when they come here, there's a chance they're a Quad 2 basketball team, which is kind of you know, funny. And, and, and their was, coach did not go on his coach's show post-game. Now, he went and met with the media, but he didn't go on his post-game show. And this is why we don't name streets after people in sports that are living, okay, and this is why we don't give people lifetime contracts. You you know you know when that works out, when you give somebody a lifetime contract? Let me help you out. Never. N-E-V-E-R. Never. And those people up there are sick and tired of being sick and tired. PerformanceMedicine.net. Don't let that be you. You know what I mean? You know, can you imagine how sick you'd be of Calipari and his... Uh, and his little game that he plays and his little cutie pie act and he he gives two damns about their fan base B now and it's hilarious because Rick Barnes owns him he owns him lock stock and barrel and you people don't want to give Barnes credit cuz at one point you had an anti Barnes let me tell you something about Barnes you can be wrong about him like I was on the front end you don't stay wrong join the party this thing's got a chance to be really special. Don't stay wrong. You know, just because you're,
8: just because you're pig headed. Kentucky is going to be the easiest of the last four games for the Balls, and that's a brutal four game stretch. I Read think- that last four game stretch, Brian. You've got, you've got to go. You've got Auburn at home. You've got to go to South Carolina, and to Alabama, and Kentucky at home. Kentucky looks to be the easiest of those four. Who would have ever thought that? And I don't care that Wagner didn't play. The way the balls played, I don't think I don't think there's anybody in the country that could have beat him.
7: Kentucky here that night. Kentucky here will be an easier game than Tennessee playing at South Carolina. Uh, Brian Hartman just said. Bino, you buy that?
6: I think that Brian's correct in that on the surface that's the easiest game of the four, and I think South Carolina. uh, South Carolina's got a really good basketball team. Um, But I I didn't even feel after the loss here that that automatically means that we're going to Columbia and they're going to do the same thing. Uh, Because they gave us every opportunity to win that game on Tuesday night. We refused to take it.
8: So if you want to jump on... If they just... Go ahead. if, If they just make half the layups they missed... Close range and a few more free throws, they win comfortably.
6: Fourteen layups, you're never gonna miss fourteen layups in the history of your program again.
8: And that's a winnable game too. I, I agree with Bino. That's a very winnable game for the balls. Who are the last four, Brian? They got Auburn at home, Ouch. at Alabama, Whoa. which is the toughest game by far, Whoa. left, and at South Carolina, Kentucky at home. Auburn, Alabama,
7: Tennessee are the three best teams in the league. I think Auburn's probably a little better than everybody right now. The problem with Alabama that we saw, though, is that they're – and by the way, Auburn and Alabama play this week. I believe that game is where, Brian? Is that at Auburn?
8: That is at Auburn.
7: That's going to be a war to settle the score. And I believe that's going on concurrently with us playing LSU on Wednesday. If that tracks – I think that's in the same exact window – which is a little bit frustrating, from my perspective. But we have a lot to get into today. Very little time to get there. If you want to jump in, eight six five two hundred five four zero two. This Tennessee versus the NCA thing is extremely interesting, which we'll discuss. Brian's fired up because Taylor Swift announced she's dropping a new record. Brian, when does that uh, gal take any time off? How's she ever make a new record already?
8: Well, it seems like she's found time to attend most of the Chiefs games, so I guess that's when she has some time off. And and pre order, did you pre order it? Did you have you pre ordered the record yet? I'm online looking right now at some ways I can do that. Interesting. Yeah, those ex- two games are at the same time. Tuesday night, seven o'clock. ESPN two for Auburn, Alabama. SEC Network for Tennessee Alabama. Same time, right? Yeah, seven PM Eastern time.
7: I'll be peeking a look at both of them, Bino. Can I say that? Because I love that Auburn, Alabama game. I think that's one of the great games of the year. The the game they played at Alabama a couple weeks ago was an absolute scorcher, a barn burner. It was up and down, it was wild. It was herky jerky, it was crazy. It was all it was fabulous. Great athleticism. All those things. Vols Vols need Auburn to win, by the way. By the way, Brian, the to, kid at uh, LSU you awesome you're your, your, who went to your high school? He's done a pretty nice job at LSU in year two. I mean, they were an absolute, he was handed a dumpster fire last year. And um, he's probably going to come in the next season with a little bit of pressure on him. But he just needs a couple more players. They're pretty close.
8: Yeah, he got the kid from Vanderbilt that is a Baton Rouge native, I believe, Jordan Wright. And that's really helped their team. And they just obliterated poor Arkansas over the weekend who is just having a really rough season. Who would have thought that would happen to trying,
7: And Muss is trying to get out of there too, which is kind of interesting. He's—I look for him in that USC job, which is now a Big Ten job, you know, USC. It's hard to think of, isn't
6: it? It's <laughs> so weird.
4: USC <laughs> in the Big Ten. So my head. Dumb. Was thinking about that.
7: It's so dumb. Oh my gosh. Oh. Uh, Anyway, so we got a lot we have a lot to talk about. And then this Tennessee and the NCA thing, it would be just like the vols to get caught in a deal where the NCA is half pregnant with amateurism and half pregnant with professionalism, and you've kind of exposed yourself and you get kind of caught in that. It it would be just like us, Bino, you know, to get caught in that, wouldn't it? I mean, when you stop and think about it.
6: Well, it's 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 just so aggravating. Yes. To be in, in a position where, where the NCAA has decided to enforce rules that basically didn't exist.
7: Aggravating is a really, 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 really great term. You know, that is a that that is a that is a great descriptor. Oh, that is a great descriptor um of this, Bino. Uh, aggravating. Because truly as a fan base, what do we want? I mean, stop and think about this, right? What do you and I want? I just want to enjoy sports. I don't want to be on here, you know, diving into all these things that we ought not know about. But now we're talking about state law statutes. uh, The NCAA claiming on Saturday that, hey, you're wanting us to ignore your state law. And then the state of Tennessee and Virginia are left now to answer that. And so... I go to, and I was on the phone for a few hours uh, this weekend. Marco Scars is going to join us coming up here in about 30. And if you want to jump in, 865-200-5402. I'm calling out right now the Barnstormers. And I want you to come correct. I want you to give this man his love, his flowers, his credit. And this team, their love, their flowers, their credit for what was a tremendous performance by them over the weekend, thus erasing the way Tuesday made us all feel. Just the absolute sheer exhilaration of it all. And I'm going to name names here. I'm going to name names here. APB, APB right now for the polling one, APP. A.P.B. I'm going to clear. In fact, I'm going to clear the lines for him. Bino, you think he answers the bell? I'm putting out an all-points bulletin for the Poli one to answer the bell, Bino. You think he does it? What do you think? I'd say Poli will answer it, yes. Okay, so I don't know. I don't want to be ostentatious enough or arrogant enough to think that he's sitting there listening. But if you know the poly, reach out. There. I, I want to clear all the lines. Those of you that are on hold, please. Clear. I don't haven't done this much, but I want to hear. And I want and I want negative Dave. I'm naming names now. I want negative Dave on here. I want negative Daves. So I want negative. I will tell you what. Well, let's do. Let's do a quick timeout. And I want negative Dave. And I want the poly one. Clear the lines, Brian. Clear. Let's clear the lines here. And we're going to come back with more on the other side. If these guys are fan enough to answer the bell. So we continue with more on the other side. Marcos Garza coming up in our top of our second hour regarding this deal with the NCAA. You're not going to want to miss that as we continue after
8: this. This is Coach Devin Simler from Columbia Central Baseball. You are listening to 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee.
3: Alert! Alert!
5: Columbia's own 8th Annual Mid-State Classic Collegiate Softball Tripleheader returns on April 2nd at the Ridley Sports Complex. Columbia Central versus Spring Hill at 10 a.m. Then it's Columbia State versus UT Southern at 1.30. And at 5.30, the Lady Volunteers face off against the Memphis Tigers. Tickets are available online at columbiatn.com slash midstateclassic. Tickets are $10 and good for all three games. The Mid-State Classic, April 2nd. See you at the game.
9: Hi, I'm Kurt Green. If you're looking for a great night of acapella music, all you've got to do is come out on the 24th and you'll see us at the Cherry Theater, 7th Element. And you will have such a great time. I'm hoping that all of the community comes out and supports this wonderful concert. It's at 6 p.m. I don't want you to miss it because you can find it so easily on Eventbrite. And just look for 7th Element in France. You're going to love it. Get your tickets today.
0: This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. So, we
7: welcome you back. I I do believe one of our APBs has been answered, and we'll go to the phones here momentarily. 865-200-5402. And then negative Dave, I want to hear from him as well. Um. Brian was asking me, well, let's do this. Let's do the polly one. And then I want to get into this deal that's going to happen in Greenville on the 13th as we await what the judge is going to say, if the judge is going to say anything regarding the TRO between now and then. Because at stake here, there's a TRO which Tennessee's asked for. Uh, which will be put in place between now and the 13th when the hearing uh, happens on the preliminary injunction. And I'm I'm speaking confidently about these things because I've been, uh, I don't know, I've been bathing in them. So I now understand the difference between those two things. But let's go to the phones, which is kind of scary. Me and a little bit of understanding, like Bino liked it at, when I was starting to talk about 12 personnel 21 personnel, 20 personnel. Bino and a couple of my friends were giving me a hard time about that when they were teaching me about the personnel groupings. But me and a little bit of information are very dangerous. I could twist myself into a pretzel in no time. But now it's time to twist a couple of negators into a pretzel. Or maybe they'll just come clean and say, hey, I love Barnes. Maybe they'll come clean and come correct here. So let's oh get, yeah. Let's get huh? Yeah, that's gonna happen. Let's get let's get the poly one in the mix and in the hunt, as Rick Barnes has won as many games in Lexington as forty five years before him Tennessee did. Polly welcome in on this victorious Monday.
11: Hey guys, how's it going?
7: Polly good good great day to you. Always good to hear from you.
11: I heard you say, ha, uh, I thought Leroy was on the line, man. I got excited. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Have we heard from him?
7: Uh, I've not heard from uh, Lee while in a while, but he's out there doing his meals on wheels today. My, my, my favorite motion.
11: And... I haven't seen him, Tony, since I gave him that smoky fishing hat. Well,
7: so that's him. That. If you give him a garment, a hat, uh, some clothing, he will disappear for a while. So that's in keeping with Lee <laughs> Interesting.
11: So, uh, before we get going here, uh, Bino, uh, I'm starting to realize, Tony, about what happened with the car situation and Bino accidentally hitting the gas pedal. All right. You have a theory on that? I got two two theories here. The first theory was, you know, I'm thinking, and you were the one that won his Pickham College tournament <laughs> making you know, the gas pedal get hit you know that's one theory
7: but you know what what the make and of- model car do you have i've got a mazda cx-5 tony bay i'm gonna look and google and see if they have accelerator issues Polly joe or maybe Maybe you're uh, on to something, because he gunned
6: it. He gunned it. Uh, I didn't accidentally hit the gas pedal. You gunned it. So you can do
7: with that whatever you want No, you to. gunned
11: it. Tony, Tony, my second theory here... Like Kenny I, Bernstein is cutting
7: a light. Go ahead.
11: My second theory, and this is the one I think i got to go with, is remember that uh, the, the ringer on the charity softball game that was the shortstop for Bino's team? That almost the brain donor that almost decapitated our buddy Raj. That'll never might be. He have been f- driving
7: Bino. Bino, um, tell the story to those who just found the show. Our late great friend Roger, who we were celebrating with as part of the Ellen Hatcher Memorial Softball Tournament. Tell the story, Bino, about uh, about that to the folks who just joined because this is, this is good mirth here on a Monday.
6: Well, uh, T- Tony was coaching uh, a team, and uh, and I was helping coach our team, and we decided that we, we, we were going to put Roger up there and let Roger hit a home run. So I, I pulled everybody together and said, listen, we're going to let Roger hit a home run here. So if they hit the ball to you, just kind of throw it away and let him run, and, and uh, we'll just let him score. Let him go all, all around the base however that has to happen. Well, we had a new guy playing shortstop. He was a high school football coach and I love my high school football coaching buddies, but you all may be just a little bit ultra competitive. <laughs> uh didn't really want to do it and Roger hit a ground ball to him at shortstop and he threw an absolute seed just behind Roger off the off the fence. And I mean, he threw. It was shaking all the way over there on the third base side where Tony was. He hit it so hard, and I I, I, (laughs) finally we got somebody else with their hands on the ball, and everything went pretty well. Peter,
7: when he threw that ball, I was praying to God that that first baseman would not would have the presence of mind to not throw the ball back to that shortstop, because all I could picture was Roger just getting just, uh, I don't know, obliterated at home plate by one of that guy's throws. That guy threw the ball, for for those of you, the Zap Ruder film, okay? That's what it about looked like at first base. The thing was the hardest throw I've ever seen. I mean, they had a guy out there. Whose arm would it compare to in Major League Baseball, Bino, the way the ball flew across the diamond? Joe Milton. Yes, like Joe Milton throw it. He had a really nice senior bowl, by the way. Joe Milton, he had a a Joe Milton esque senior bowl over the weekend.
11: Oh man!
7: So, Paulie, you need All to come right, correct. Guys. You are using delay tactics, which I like. You've had a very good phone call, but it's time for you to belly up to the bar and admit that Rick Barnes, the way he's managing this team, is the man right now. He can dribble. He can shoot. He's a
11: man. So, it's close to Groundhog's Day, you know, February 2nd. Okay. And if I recall, you know, I'm trying to think of last year about this time. We were, there were the, the, the sheep were printing t-shirts about Gonzaga in a scrimmage.
7: Hang on, I got it, hang on. I got it, yes. Beano, does he sound to you like he's getting ready to come correct here? Beano. Right. he Uh, He sounds to me like exactly where
6: I thought that he would go with this, and that's we're in the regular season.
7: All right, go ahead. Go ahead, Clown. So
11: last year, you know, I'll I'll call it right now. Last year's T-shirt was, we beat Gonzaga in a scrimmage, and this year's T-shirt is going to be, we scored 103 in Rupp.
7: I forgot about that. Brian, how about 103 points in Rupp Arena the other night, Brian? Do you ever think you'd live to see the day where that would happen? It's, yeah, it's probably been, what, 30 years since somebody did that? Anybody 103 did that. points. Anybody did that. 103 points. Think about all the great teams that have gone into that building.
11: Let's put that banner next to our Elite Eight banner up top. We, we scored 103 we took it down. in rough.
7: We, uh, we had the Elite Eight banner taken down. Thank God Barnes had the presence of mind to make them do that, which I think that's an improvement, y'all. Taking that banner down is very much an improvement.
11: Guys, when we when we do get to the tournament, okay, how how does Bruins keep Triple J's mind off Colorado's game last year?
7: Bino, do you have any idea what
11: the what, fool what, uh,
9: is sure, talking about?
6: You lost Colorado's game last year.
11: Remember when we lost FAU? Our great leader gets on the press press conference. What are to- you talking? We he was saying, oh, you guys, you guys thought we were done when we lost to Colorado, the second game of the year.
7: After we just—that's what you're the coming with years. today. We had a historical victory over the weekend. You need to sing along with me right here. You need to sing this right now at the top of your lungs, big boy. If you like being on here, time Barnesy gets to Phoenix. He going to be rising. <laughs> you are a punk and a clown bringing up the Colorado game.
11: The only way it would be better is a Titan's filled with slow and your Mark trick Polly Jo's notebook of Polish persuasion. knows no limit.
7: And you know nothing Titan else but hating on one and I'm going to count to three, and you're going to be in three and two and one out of here from the TLB Logistics phone line. By the time we get to Phoenix, Poli, Pulley, Poli's going to be smiling. Isn't he, Because I'm going to welcome him on that bandwagon. Aren't you, now? Even though he's going to, it seems like, stay the loyal opposition the whole time. He's, he'll be welcome on that bandwagon in the spring. Yes or no?
6: Uh, It'll take a Final Four appearance. What does that mean? It'll take a Final Four appearance. Oh,
7: yeah. We're going to Phoenix. We're going to Phoenix.
8: Oh, okay.
7: Brian, do you think this team has the right stuff to get there after Saturday night?
8: I do think so, but as far as thinking about Final Four... Oh, I'm not. I I just want to enjoy each game. Only for that
7: phone call, because I know how much it triggers him and other people. They... I get emails from people who just don't have a sense of humor, or a sense of irony, or a sense. Some of you just don't have sense. And so if you don't have a sense of humor, a sense of irony, or sense, I'm speaking to you. Which is a pretty good swath of the Barnstormers. And I get emails from people. Some guy the other day said some rather inhumane things toward me after the South Carolina game and told me that my show did something that vacuum cleaners do. But we're going to go back to our phones, do business with the barnstormers here, who need to come correct on here. I don't know. Did Poli just come correct, being out? I don't think he did, but.
6: Uh, no, no, uh, Polly didn't come correct.
7: All right. Brian, uh, Brian Hartman, I have a question for you. This uh, Million Fan March and Rally up there in Greenville, thoughts on that?
8: No. No, no. That is the most cringest thing I've ever heard. I don't know if <laughs> Cring- cringest is a word. <laughs> cringest. But I just can't fathom. <laughs> do not go anywhere near Greenville. If you live there, do not go anywhere near the courthouse. If you work near there, do not, uh, do not let that be a distraction. Bino, I've got a word. Close to that. I've got a word picture do for not you. Tailgate? No, just just tailgating no. outside the thing. I've
7: Bino, I've a, a word picture for you on Feb 13. My man, rapper Andy, outside there screaming at that judge while he walks from his car into his chambers. Is that a good word picture, Bino, or one you could probably do without? And maybe we could do without as a fan base. That's my man right there, rapper Andy, who I love and I've served all these years. Uh I, <laughs> I I I love this fan base Tony but yes. uh there's
6: there's nothing about that that uh makes me feel good.
7: I was told about this judge cuz I was talking to somebody. I, I I just ask around, I mean, you know, and you ask for help and you talk to people in the community and I was told he's a pretty serious person. And that that's not a really good idea. Now, you know me. Generally, I'm all for mayhem and stirring it up. But who was it, say? I think uh, John, Sh- Sh- somebody Schmidt's, Paul Schmidt, somebody, the gambler. Man, you got to know when to hold them and when to fold them. And this is time to fold them. We, we don't need to be doing that. An ordinarily what judge
8: isn't a serious person.
7: I, I was told this guy's a pretty serious fellow, though, and he's not going to take to that too I kindly. Judge that would. Well, and I love. Listen, I love my Tennessee fan. Like Josh is in here, big Josh, our truck driver buddy, who calls us Scotch Irish and everything else, and we we'll always want to fight you. And probably not a really good idea, Vino, You know, if you stop and think about it. No,
6: it's not time to go from Big Orange Nation to the Red Army.
7: No. This is... There might be a time for that. And when there is, we'll plot our strategy. But let's go back to the phones, because I want to do business with the barnstormers here. Hello, and welcome into our next call.
4: What's up, Tommy? What's up, Dino?
7: Hey, welcome in.
4: Dino, you know what I'd like to see?
7: This man right here is kind of a barnstormer and was in tears Saturday night, which I love about him. The man was in tears after that game. He was so jubilant over that victory over Kentucky.
4: But now here's what I wanna see, Bean Star. Let me
7: don't get don't let me wait, let me guess. The tears have dried.
4: Yeah. Okay, here we go. Now it's time to get that monkey off our back that we've had on there for how many decades, Bino? The Coleman Coliseum monkey. Let's see if we can run a table down the stretch. Then we'll know, then we'll know if we're going, if we've got a possibility of going to Phoenix. Well, Jake, I, I don't, team. I don't think they're going to win
6: all four of those last games. Uh, but, uh, what I want to see going forward is that this team remains a more across the board scoring effort. Um, you know, Running we, the table. We go to connect. Uh, you hope you go to connect. You can still put the ball in his hands at the end of the game, but people don't have to watch him for the first thirty-eight minutes.
4: I mean, let's let's see more of what we saw up there. I believe we've got. I believe we're going to have to beat Alabama down in uh, Tuscaloosa. Why to win the regular season title? Don't you, Bino? Well, it's it's probably it's probably going
6: to be. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right, because it's going to be close between those two. I believe Auburn will still be in it, um, uh, and you know that that could be the game that decides who wins the regular season. We'll see.
7: Bino, I believe really? this team. The best thing for this club, Chikardio, is to lose a couple games, let the air out a no. little bit down. Listen to me, let the air a little bit down out down the stretch. Continue to find out more about yourself. This team's opportunity will come when that warmer weather comes around and everybody gets a little spring fever and it will be time for us to go on a run and put it together. And that's what my eyes are on. With all due respect to the N- to the SEC and winning the league and all that stuff, my eyes with this club are on
4: March. I'd like to see us uh, run the table, win that regular season title, and then maybe lose early in the SEC tournament so we can come home and rest.
7: But you guys will, if he does that and then flames that in March, you guys will be calling him regular season Rick again and won't give him credit for his title he just won.
4: Uh, we're going to call him regular season Rick until he gets that uh, NCAA tournament monkey off his
7: back. Oh, that's my point. So are you ready to belly up to the bar today and sing the song with me?
4: No. I want to <laughs> see some more wins. I want to see if we can maintain that level of concentration. And, and maintain that level of togetherness that we saw the other night. Let's, let's don't let it be a one-game wonder.
7: I mean, I don't know what to say to you guys. I I don't know. The guy was in tears the other night. The guy was in tears, Bino. But his tears dried. And now we're back to this, moving the goalpost on this on – this, Basketball coach who's done a masterful job to this point. A masterful job. What I'm telling you, when those guys sat down last week, because he knew he had an issue, Connect knew they had an issue, those two veterans, they all, they sat in that room, as we talked about at tclub.team today, read about it. Speaking of reading about it, Marco Scarza, those of you who have never heard him, you're in for a real treat. Now, We're going to talk about what's at stake here momentarily. He's going to, uh, on the other side, and those of you on hold, please stay there. We'll get to you. But our next segment will be spent with Marcos Garza as we talk about what's getting ready to happen. Tennessee and the state of Virginia, by the way, versus the NCAA. As we continue on the other side, and we come back with more right after this.
4: This is Coach Trader's dog from Columbia Central High School football. You are listening to 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee.
5: If you have Medicare and Medicaid, you may be able to get more help to cover your care and costs. A United Healthcare Dual Complete plan can help you get more benefits than original Medicare. Whether you choose our online tools or over the phone support, United Healthcare will help you compare options so you can choose a plan with confidence. See if you qualify for a United Healthcare Dual Complete plan. Call 855 UHC MORE. That's 855 UHC MORE. 855 U H C M O R E.
12: This is Del Kennedy from Porch Radio. This afternoon, I am at Foodland in beautiful downtown Columbia, Tennessee. I'm speaking with Miles Johnson, who is your local grocer here at Foodland. He's got a number of specials here at Foodland this week. These specials are contained in a circular, which is available in the paper or at the front of the store. And these specials will be on special from now until next Tuesday. And next Wednesday, a new circular will come out. Miles, what's happening at Foodland this week? Well, this week we have T-Bone steaks for $4.99 a pound, five-pound bags Idaho potatoes, $2.49 each, food club beans or peas, two for a dollar, and Coca-Cola 12-packs, $5.99 each. There we go. And, folks, every week I just have to say it. This is the place where guys who grill and, I guess, women who like good meat come. They've got the best, best meat department in Murray County, bar none, and it's always a pleasure to stop by and visit with the meat department. And they'll cut anything I want for me. Miles, have a great week. Thank you.
11: You too. This is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee.
7: Joining us on our TLD Logistics Hotline, ladies and gentlemen, and our Newsmaker Hotline, the great Marcos Garza of your Garza Law Firm in Knoxville. We've got so much to discuss and Marcos tells us that he's got time for us today. Generally, he's extremely busy, but uh, we happen to catch him in a window here where he has a few minutes, and he's carved out some time for us. First of all, uh, as I bring him up on our TLD Logistics Hotline, Marcos Garza, first things first. Happy birthday to you, brother.
13: Thanks, Tony. Uh, big
7: 5-0. The big 5-0. Bino, any advice to uh, Marcos as he enters his 50s?
6: Uh, Looking at Marcos, he doesn't need any advice from me. I think he's doing just fine.
7: Interesting. I about called you about something that occurred with me and Bino at the watch party the other night, Marcos. He about ran me over in the parking lot, causing a lot. In fact, I'm I'm feeling a little um, tinge in my back after our episode. Marcos, let's talk here. Um, First things first. Let's talk about, because... Anytime you start getting into matters such as this and words like TRO, temporary restraining order, start getting thrown around, um, and then um, the other thing, which is an injunction, can you give us, before we drill down in this case, just the difference between a, a temporary restraining order, which Tennessee is currently seeking, uh, and then an injunction, which Tennessee will be seeking on the 13th. Can you give us the difference?
13: Um, for me, the difference really is a temporary restraining order is something that is more immediate and need. It uh, tries to prevent uh, what they call irreparable harm or kind of an emergency-type situation and needs to be done right now because if we don't do something right now, Judge, um, you know, this is really going to cause some harm to some folks. And by the way, temporary restraining order kind of contemplates that we'll take a closer look at this a little bit down the road just to, you know, make sure legally that this was the proper thing to do, maybe suss out some, you know, some of the nuances of it just to make sure we're doing the right thing. Uh A lot of times you see them just in everyday world, you see... um Probably the closest thing is like an order of protection. You see, when usually in domestic things, when someone's hurt or there's yes. children involved, a lot of times in domestic situations, you see TROs um, and injunctions utilized all the time. And, and then the and end- also to yeah, also to maybe in property disputes, sometimes uh, someone's getting ready to build something that's going to cause harm to the neighbor's property or whatever. You see quite a few of them in, in that arena as well.
7: In this particular case, the way it was explained to me, you tell me if I'm on the right track or if if I need correction. But in this particular case, Tennessee's got a signing day coming up. They've got some other recruiting type issues that are occurring, and they want to do business as they've been doing business. Without worrying about the interference from the NCAA uh, in this small 10 day window before they get together middle of next week. Is is that a, and that's what a TRO would grant them. Is is that, is that proper?
13: Um, the proper, well, the question is a proper, obviously the judge's decision, but yeah, I mean, I think it's a proper use of it. It's a little bit just, and again, I don't, I don't trust anyone who claims to be an expert. So this is just my opinion. Right. Um, I think usually a temporary restraining order just kind of maintains uh often, I shouldn't say always, often maintains the status quo. You know, you can't take the kid out of this house. They're in school. They're currently enrolled at, you know, West High School. You can't take them out and move them to Connecticut because there's a divorce or something like that. This is a little bit different because Tennessee is um, not a lot, but a little bit different because I think Tennessee is asking to do something that is, a little bit different. They're kind of asking for an obvious change in law. And I think practically speaking, what they're asking for is the way it's being done, uh, somewhat surreptitiously or somewhat uh, just not quite as open and obvious. But in reality, they're kind of asking for what most people would argue about what is a stated change in the law. Uh, again, I don't think it's really going to change the practice of what's going on, but they're really just asking for a declaration that what really is going on, is okay, which is would be a state of in the law, in my opinion.
7: And then the second piece is the injunction, which they'll be arguing for on the 13th, and that will cover a longer dispensation of time. The injunction is really what they're fighting for here, and what the NCA is fighting against, right? Because if an injunction occurs, and that and and an, an injunction is issued, Marcos, that's sort of game changing, right? That'll be that's what the whole the whole world that's concerned about this space will be really watching right
13: absolutely um, and I, I've, the injunction isn't necessarily permanent either it's just more indefinite uh, you would expect that an injunction like this if they make a decision on the on February 13th would go for months or probably years in this case because there'll be a lot of litigation uh, probably I would imagine for at least a year or two um, after that injunction is issued
7: How significant is the judge in this? And when you're in a case and you're about to appear before any judge, do you guys do your homework on a judge? Like how significant is that?
13: Boy, that's a tough question to answer. The first question, I'll answer the second question. Do you do your homework on the judge? Absolutely, right? I mean, just any, so much of the practice of law is, you know, about the law itself, but even more of it is about who's the judge, what do we think he or she is willing to hear or open to hear? How do we think they think and receive information? Um, and so, yeah, I think it's really important. Uh, I think any good lawyer, anyway, would think it was really important. Um, now, in terms of uh, the other side of that, though, is you know the law kind of is what the law is, and um, I believe it's Judge Corker that is on this. It looked like it had they considered putting this in front of a magistrate but given that it appears now and tell me if i'm wrong about this it looks like judge corker
7: is going to hear this matter otherwise clifton corker yes Mm -hmm. yeah i
13: saw magistrate poplin referenced in an article somewhere i think and i that didn't uh she's a uh, wonderfully fair magistrate but uh, i think judge corker um you know it's What's interesting to me, uh, a long time ago, uh, I I have uh, practiced law with him. I think we had a couple matters up in Washington County, up in Jonesboro, that we were on together or we had clients that were related or somehow involved. I don't even remember the details, but he always struck me as a really fair, even-minded, even-handed, good, generally good human being. Uh, so I, I do think he will try to do uphold his canon and his canons of that bench or that position and try to make the right call for the right reason. But just personally, when I think about it and uh, again, I don't um, I think he'll follow the law, whatever he interprets that as. But in this particular case, I really think there are decent arguments going both ways. Um, if you were to ask me, who do I think has the strongest argument, it'd be a really tough call. It's pretty close to a coin flip um and again i may be maybe because some of my bias but i sort of think tennessee's arguments are a little bit stronger uh you know maybe and again that i'm making numbers up here i'm just trying to quantify my gut feeling about it i think tennessee's argument's more of a 60 40 argument or maybe a 55 45 argument uh whereas i think NCAA's is a little bit weaker and so you just think about it from a human being perspective because i do think judges still uh are classified as human beings it seems like it'd be really hard to reside in northeast tennessee given a, a close call like this and find against the university of tennessee uh, and again i i don't mean to impart or suggest that the judge isn't going to do exactly what the right thing to do is or he believes is in earnest the right thing to do but boy that's a hard call particularly on a close close case like this well
7: And, Marco, has there been some in our fan base, and rightfully so, extremely frustrated, feel very helpless, feel like we're back in the soup again, feel like a persecuted class and group of people. And I think all those things have merit, you know, to feel that way and want to act. Uh, It's been said, and social media now is a way uh, to gather like minds, to mobilize like minds, and, and there have been some who have thought, well, let's go show uh, some unity and do a rally or do a tailgate uh, before these festivities or around these festivities, and Brian and I were talking about it off the uh, on the air, the uh, segment before you came on, um, and Brian's vociferously against it. I generally like mayhem. I think I'm against this as well. That idea, you know, this judge. Um, what would you advise from Tennessee fans? And I know you're a season ticket holder as well. Full disclosure here, Marco says, in, in, in all sports at the University of Tennessee. So, what, what would you, what would you advise here? Yeah, uh,
13: yeah, and full disclosure, I, I don't, I am, uh, uh, is eaten up with a big orange machine as, as anybody, I think. Um, but I can't imagine that being anything other than counterproductive. I can't imagine that being a good idea under any world. And I'm like you. I, I kind of, uh, well, heck, I often gravitate towards. I think everything's a conspiracy against uh, me, or my client, or my friends. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll engage in a good conspiracy theory anytime, but. And so that sort of anti-establishment piece is, is strong with me, but I really think it would be counterproductive, whether it's in front of Judge Corker or, or here locally uh, in front of you know, Judge whoever, actually over here in this federal district court in Knoxville. Or I, I can't imagine that going well. Federal court is just such a serious, well, any court, but especially federal court is such a serious um, venue I would imagine many would be arrested. The other is, I would think, too, you know, as we're talking, if Judge Corker is, lives here and resides here and is part of his community, that's a tough call for him to make against Tennessee as well, And unless the law was clear, which I don't believe it is here. Um, but I think one thing that could sway a judge uh, like Judge Corker or any judge is you show up with a – bunch of mayhem on a scenario like that i would think that might even make a judge make a hard decision that he wouldn't otherwise make just because he he might think or she might think uh in this case he that this is way out of hand this is crazy i'm gonna put a stop you know this i'm not giving in i'm not giving these people what they want uh just because they show up and and make a spectacle of this thing I, i don't know i can advise strongly enough against it
7: Marcos Garza joining on his birthday. Tennessee on the 13th is going to appear. The ruling on the TRO we're expecting at some point. Again, two different pieces here. The injunction is what will be heard on the 13th. Both sides will be presenting their case. Um, Marcos, one of the things I hear is that, and I was Again, you try to report on this from my perspective and, you know, I don't want to be the blind leading the blind, which is why you're on here. The judge could say today or tomorrow, yes, no, or nothing on the TRO. Now, I was told that if the judge decides in favor of Tennessee and Virginia with a TRO, that that's a very good sign going forward for the injunction. And if he rules the other way, it's not a good sign. Is it a tell, Marcos, what happens? And could he rule nothing and just say, hey, I'll see you guys in court on the 13th, and I'm not going to render a judgment? Uh, Unpack that for me, please. Sure. I think, and there is
13: nothing written, there's nothing in the law that says, I, let me simply say, I agree with, I think all of what you just said. So let's unpack it. The, if he rules in favor of this temporary injunction, which again is a little bit, and again, it's not improper, but it's a little bit slightly different use of an injunction than you would typically see. I think, it, is, it would seem likely to me that he would grant the injunction a week later. Um, so if you hear a little bit of information, you understand the immediate situation, and you rule in favor of the, inju- in, in favor of the temporary uh, restraining order, then I would think nothing is going to demonstrably change a week later. Now, in theory... Could someone file a brief, either NCAA and or he do some additional research and change his mind during the course of a week? Absolutely, that's possible. I think he prevents him from that. But I just don't see most judges changing their mind in a week um, to think, think something differently. Um, now, if he decides against it, similar analysis, right? I, I don't see him thinking something has demonstrably changed in a week that now makes this um, – You know, worthy of an injunction. Um, that scenario seems slightly more likely in my opinion, because the argument might be, well, you've not really shown irreparable harm, Tennessee, but I'm going to take a closer look on the 13th. So I think if he finds for the injunctions, it's more likely that's going to stay in place. If he finds against the injunction, I think it's most likely that that'll stay in place, but maybe it'll slightly less that, you know, the reasons he could say, I'm not granting it. Uh, which is kind of the third we're kind of moving into the third category is I don't think this is a proper use of a temporary restraining order, or I don't think that we have, you've shown irreparable harm. There's been some insinuation, there's been some argument, there's been some statements that it will cause irreparable harm, but you've not proven uh, specifically that there will be. So I don't think it's a proper use of the injunction. So I'm going to wait till the 13th. Um, so he could do nothing just because he doesn't think it's the a, a reasonable use of the temporary restraining order or that you haven't shown demonstrated irreparable harm i think all of us from a common sense standpoint want to say of course it's irreparable harm of course these right. kids these young men and women yes. undoubtedly need to know what they're getting themselves into and signing up for prior to the seventh everyone knows it's irreparable harm but once in a while, you see a court, or very often, you'll see a court sidestep an issue like that because they're like, yeah, I know we all think that, and we all think we know that, but the law requires us to prove it, and you've not proven it. Um, so, I don't yeah. know. That, did I answer your question? Yeah, yeah you Tony? did. It's
7: Pretty- it, Well, it's interesting, right? This case, and I know you're a guy. Fascinating. Y- yeah. You love, you love the law, which is kind of your calling. One of the things I love about you, we were talking before the program today, and 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 I'm just trying to do my job here, which is to keep the public as best I can, inform myself so I can then pass along what I'm learning. And so let's dive in here a little bit. This is dangerous, but let's dive in. The NCA is really interesting what they did on Saturday because I don't know that I expected this, but I didn't know that Tennessee – had something on their books that essentially says pay-for-play is illegal. Um, We semantically have renamed all this NIL stuff to get around the NCAA. I think we'd all agree on that, if we're adults in the room. And that's what makes them going after Tennessee specifically, and a few other institutions, Extremely frustrating because it seems entirely selective. Danny White put a release out the other day saying, if you're really going to go after people for for this, then everybody's doing it. So let's prosecute everybody all at once. But no, that's not what you're doing. You're choosing your winners and your losers. That's what his release said, and, and good for him for saying that. But Marco, somewhere I think he's in, right about that, yeah, Tony. Yeah, don't go, you? go ahead. Well, well, obviously he's right about that. But somewhere in there, the NCA said, "Okay, so you 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 say all this, and you're putting your responses out, but you're giving us a chance to respond now, which is what the law does before a TRO. This is part of that cursory response. And I was telling the listener to watch out for this on Saturday that the NCA would have until." Um, I guess it was six Eastern to respond. And in their response, Marcos, they basically say, and the and the media picked up on this because it's a is it a meteor part of of the response. And I was conveying this to Bino earlier, and it frustrates people when they hear this. But they they essentially said, and this is what the judge is weighing. Okay, so it's on your books your books, but you're arguing with us that it's on our books, but it's on your books, but you're arguing with us that it's on our books. Marcos, I find that in fascinating, frustrating, strange, uh, hard to get over. I'm trying to make sense of that. Can you help me make sense of that from a legal perspective? Because Tennessee then comes back and they say, well, don't worry about our law. We're talking about your law, but go through that for us if you can.
13: Yeah. It's a, you know, it's really, yeah, you wonder if Tennessee wasn't a little bit surprised by that or didn't really fully think that piece through. Um, and, And again, this, happens all the time. There's just so many spinning plates when it comes to litigation and so many unforeseen consequences that it's just hard. So I'm not, I don't criticize them uh, but at all. I mean, I'm not afraid to criticize, but in this case, I don't. But I do, and NCA's argument might have some merit, and I've looked at this. It's a TCA 49-7-2802, which um, it's a law in the books enacted by our legislature over in nashville and i don't know you know actually i've got a good friend uh, a really smart lawyer by the name of zach lawson i think he's uh grows up in your neck of the woods up there we were talking about this earlier as well and i think what um i think i would argue i think NCA's argument's right that it probably does violate our law i think there's um and then our response um which i'm not crazy about is, well, RAG says it doesn't, and certainly he would know. And really, it's not an attorney general that interprets the laws. It's judges who interpret the law. So it's the idea that, well, it's our law. We know what our law means. Uh, we would know. I think that's written for effect. but at the end of the day, I don't think it's particularly convincing or noteworthy. What I do think is more important and I hope I'm not getting too in the weeds, but this whole thing centers around antitrust law in Tennessee that we, you know, this is a free market in America. It is a market that allows people to be valued for whatever they, uh, are, whatever the market, what, whatever the market will bear. If you're the best, um, radio guy, uh, you know, like a Tony Basilio, you can charge more to your advertisers than if you're someone who has a listening group of, you know, a couple dozen. And that's, I think we all believe, at least in America, that that's generally the way things should work. And that law has been, it's a federal law, it's been on the book since, uh, I was kind of surprised just how long it had been around, since 1890. So, And so at the end of the day, all this centers around this idea that these young men and women should be able to allow the market to determine what they are worth and make the best decisions for them, for their unique talents and skills and so forth. Now, so I would argue this. Maybe it's not clear, crystal clear, about whether or not we're violating our own law or not. I'm not aware of any application of this law. The legislature put it together, probably didn't consider, you know, exactly the implications of it. But I'm not aware of a single application of it or usage of this law. So it's a law in the books that, like many laws, isn't really utilized Maybe in this case has never been utilized, mm-hmm. not to my knowledge. Of. Right. And so, but even if it, even if we were violating our law, I don't think it really changes the argument in the briefs much because really this, these briefs apply to individuals across the country. So if we happen to be in one of the states, it's much broader than just Tennessee. If we happen to be one of the states that has a law that may or may not allow kind of a pay per situation, it doesn't really matter because federal law would supersede, I think the uh, most common order would supersede this. So this law may, we may not be violating our law. I don't think it's particularly persuasive to say, Oh, well, we know our own law, so you can't tell us that we're violating it. No judges determine whether or not you're violating the black and white letter law that you wrote, you chose to write on the books. But even if this law does violate the Sherman antitrust well then it's not a valid law anyway it ought to be void anyhow so uh, point is i i think it's much ado about nothing really Uh, i mean it's a little unfortunate in an ideal world if you're tennessee you wish it wasn't on the books but i don't think it really cuts at the overall issue and and that is should students be allowed to be told exactly what it is they're going to get when they show there or is the better approach to say Oh, trust me, Nico, trust me, Tony, trust me, whatever person that's coming to play. Trust me, our NIL is great. We're really going to take care of you once you get here. I mean, that doesn't make any sense, right? Uh, Any decent young man and their parents would say, no, put that on paper. Tell me exactly what this is going to look like for my son or daughter so we can make the very best decision for our family. Uh,
7: You know, I was looking up silly laws that exist on the books, right? It's illegal in the state to sell hollow logs. It's illegal in the state to carry a skunk across state borders. Um, no one's going to be prosecuted for that, is your point. And, and from, the, from an NCAA perspective, I'll bet they thought, boy, we really have a zinger here. Because truly, the truth we all know is is that the NCAA will not win in court, the question, though, for Tennessee fans is, can they win in this case? You know, Marcos, that's the the real rub here is, eventually, they're going to lose. But in this particular case, before this particular judge, can Tennessee get that injunction? I mean, that's the rubber ultimately meeting the road. And one thing you've told me down through the years is, you know, we have this vision of, of lawyers and attorneys that they're um, going to be like Matlock in the courtroom you know but essentially you want to stay out of court that's one of the things you've told me down through the years because when you get in court there's a there's even the best cases you have an element of surprise this is what you've told me through, you, you just don't know um, and so it is with this case right
13: yeah, absolutely. You know, and I don't know, I think eventually, because I do think, I mean, can you think of anything else out there, um, No, Tony, where we, yeah, there's nothing else. Maybe, actually, no. I would say the closest thing might be professional sports, right? There is some governance. People are generally paid what they're yes. worth, and they're allowed to negotiate contracts. However, we have caps, right?
7: Well, here's uh, the deal, uh, right? The solution to all this is collective bargaining having a league, being honest about what you're doing, like all that stuff. And we've talked that out ad nauseum on here and sports and college sports fans have as well. As we've all come to the conclusion that hey, this is professional sports, it's big money, it's a big business. But we're in the we're in the gesticulation period between this thing evolving from one form to another. And again we're back to this. On the thirteenth all politics are local here, Marcos. My audience and this the audience here is concerned with don't take Nico away from us. Don't give us a postseason ban. These are the things at stake. These are the things potentially at stake on the 13th, and, and therein lies the... And, and you got me a little concerned when you say, and you give me an honest opinion. That's what you're on here for. Uh, Marcos Garza of my Garza law firm, who is always going to shoot you straight, 100%. Uh, garzalaw.com for more information. But you say, hey, each side each side in these briefs has some pretty decent arguments. That's kind of what you said, right?
13: It is. And then the other is just the sort of use of the temporary restraining order for this too is um, you know, not it's not in left field by any stretch, but maybe slightly uncommon. Uh you know, one thing occurs to me too is I do think Judge Corker has an opportunity to do something that is Inevitably going to happen. I agree with you. I think most people do. Mm-hmm. That eventually, the NCAA is going to lose this issue. Um, I think really Judge Corker's decision in using this TRO, which would be an, a, a reasonable use of one, uh, mm-hmm. maybe slightly uncommon, but reasonable, He'll. I think he pushes this a little bit faster because I think that's where you end up, right? You end up in a situation that's a little bit more akin to pro sports. Um, but right now what we're doing is kind of the worst of both, right? Everyone knows that any reasonable young man or woman or their family wants to know exactly what it looks like when they come to the University of Tennessee or, or wherever they go. And, of course, they know the details of this. Of course it's pay-per-play because that just makes sense. Um, and then the only difference is what Tennessee is asking for, and I think the implication of it would be, or what happens is at least we become transparent about what's going on, right? Rather than these sort of, well, we don't mention this stuff out loud. Mm -hmm. This Mm -hmm. is generally what you're allowed to pay. But, and I think that's, I think transparency is a good thing. I don't think it's the final step, but that transparency is what ultimately is going to lead to the, as you said, gesticulation of all this to the end game of this, which is probably, you know, maybe something more like the, Pro system,
7: I would think. And what's interesting is, in the meantime, how do we get there? And how do you keep yourself from becoming a victim? Because that would be utterly unjust if they come to Tennessee and say, "Well, you know, at the end of this, you're going to get a postseason ban." Like hell I am. I mean, nobody else. Everybody else. Alabama's got a player of bought. Uh, in Georgia, they've got a roster full of bought players. I mean, what what are we talking about here? But but well, we're still, you know, we're st- a, yeah.
13: Isn't there an Ohio State uh, player, and again, the name yeah. doesn't matter, but out there that said, hey, I pushed my signing day back because we had to work out some of the NIL details.
7: Yes, the, the kids are openly I mean, saying that now. Yes, kids are openly citing. NIL is a reason for why they're signing. Um, and, and I thought Tennessee's response, Marcos, is really interesting, which is because I was talking to somebody about this issue. And they said in a perfect world, in a perfect world, a kid and his family would come forward, a top recruit. And we'd be able to put them on the stand on the 13th. And they would look at us and say, hey, you know, we would love to go to Tennessee, but we're not going to go unless we know exactly what's in that NIL package. But Tennessee in their reply to the NCA, said, no kid alive is going to do that and thus mark themselves for you guys. To your point, when everybody's doing it anyway, but no kid alive is going to do that, because then the NCAA would come out and say, ineligible, you're ineligible. And Tennessee, in their brief, in their reply yesterday, said, so get off your soapbox, or that, that line about this is illegal in our state. We'll worry about what's legal in our state, but let's get back to the real issue here, You know, which is kind of restrain a trade. And the Sherman Antitrust Act, and and am I going to keep you from making a living? And so inevitably the NCAA is going to lose. The question now, Marcus, is are they going to lose on the thirteenth? Because if they if Tennessee fails to get this home, Tennessee and Virginia on the thirteenth, the the results could be catastrophic here for our sports programs if they handcuff us. Even for a small well, period of time, Marcos.
13: Sure, and even
7: to your point and
13: tell me, you'll, you'll add some clarity to this for me, but even if the temporary restraining order is really important, because even if that's not granted and we push to the 13th, doesn't that completely change signing day for those parents? I mean, we can, as Tennesseans, I'm sure the staff here would say, Oh, don't worry, folks, we're going to win this. Uh, Don't worry. You should still come to Tennessee don't worry about postseason bans. Don't worry about being declared uneligible. Uh, we're fighting this hard. I think anytime you put uncertainty in any of our lives, right. or any way, people go the other way and understandably so. And so I think there's, I mean, we're going to be caused, I think, I think there's a real easy argument that we will be caused irreparable harm if he doesn't grant the temporary restraining order on even the seventh.
11: Because, uh, because we
13: lose it, yeah. a bunch
7: of signees, or am I wrong? About no, you're exactly right. Because how do I, how can I show irreparable harm for something that hasn't happened other than to say, okay, signing day's on the 13th, and we may or may not add some guys then, but we want to have the ability to add some guys. And in that ability to add some guys is for us to, dic- to communicate terms to families. Because, by the way, Ohio State's going to do that. Georgia's going to do that. Alabama's going to do that. Even if it's a mid-range prospect that you're going for, NC State's going to do that. Whomever is going to, as Danny White said last week, they're all doing it. So well, that makes total Everyone else sense. provides yeah.
13: certainty. We provide uncertainty. Uncertainty, is, right. You can't win. And so, you know, the thing is, I don't, and I hope he sees it this way, and I guess I applaud, if they found a young man or woman who said, oh, yeah, yeah, I want to testify about this, and, and yeah. I want to provide proof of irreparable harm. Fine. That wouldn't be wrong to do that. I kind of appreciate Tennessee because who would do that to a kid, right? It's really not proper. Um, and also we know that antitrust is such an essential part of the free market is such an essential part of just America period. I mean, we've known that since 1890 that's why the Sherman antitrust was enacted and it's still good law. Why on earth do we, do we really need to put someone, a young person, on the stand and make them a sacrificial lamb to prove what we've all known since 1890? And so I I don't think the court – now, the court could say, well, you've not provided proof. I want to delay this to the 13th. But realistically, I don't think it's a stretch at all from a legal standpoint and certainly not a common sense, but not that those two always align. Certainly the judge could say "We, you don't have to specifically put someone on the stand and cut their legs out from under them or mark them with a scarlet letter in order to prove your case. We know that. It's, it's such a rich part of the DNA of this entire country that we don't need that. I hope that's what the judge says.
7: Well, and Marcos, the truth is the two power leagues got together last week, and what Tennessee's asking for here with the injunction is a hands off period. So you've got the TRO, which we're talking about right now, which will only apply till the 13th, to the listener. The second piece is the injunction. That's the real meat of the matter, which occurs on the 13th. And I want to continue to, to, to pound that home to the listener so that they understand that if this judge decides to grant a TRO, that's a great sign for the states of Tennessee and Virginia and for most of major college sports who are watching this, who want to be free to move about the cabin. It's not just Tennessee and Virginia. It's all these states. And the other side of this is, and this is happening in real time, um, it, the whole thing is um, the Southeastern Conference is trying, is, and the Big Ten, they're trying to find ways, common sense solutions to this. But in the meantime, it's just not fair to catch these institutions. And and it would be patently unfair if they catch the Vols in this. And the fact that we're here, Marcos, just kind of, I mean, I really appreciate you being here on our birthday. But I'd rather be wishing you and singing happy birthday to you than going through this BS, you know?
13: Oh, shoot. Uh, spending any Time with you, Tony, is like a birthday. So um, I tell you what, the the other thing, I I was just looking a little bit through the things that a court can consider in determining uh, temporary restraining order, and that is it is harm to others. And so I don't know that a court necessarily would be sympathetic to the University of Tennessee so much. But I do think there's a real place for a judge, as a human being, to look at this because one thing uh, Judge Corker can consider is the when he's considering irreparable harm is the harm to others, and I think there's no question that it, it would harm 17 and 18 and 19 year old young men and women, and so my hope is that he grants this temporary restraining order, and if he does, I do think it does that would seem to signal to me. Um, that the injunction would probably probably stick as well
7: Marcos it's been tremendous talking with you in the process of this we've got to respond to breaking news Candace Lee the athletic director at Vanderbilt has just sent out a letter that we've obtained a copy of to Vanderbilt season ticket holders and Vanderbilt fans and we've got uh, a piece of this this is an email that just went out from the Vandy AD and she says, dear fellow Commodores, she talks about, in this time of profound change in college athletics, I'm asking you to join us in urging Congress to address the untenable landscape related to name, image, and likeness and other issues critical to our mission. She goes on to say, uh, we need your help. We need you to urge Congress. Uh, she said, um, protect equitable access and opportunity. We believe in the transformative benefits of college athletics, a broad-based portfolio. Uh, She continues to go on to say, we need your help. We need you to urge for federal legislation. You can advocate for student athletes by urging your friends to do the same. You can further elevate our coalition by following, and she gives a link out. Basically, Vanderbilt saying, at our hallowed institution, in this time when a TRO is being considered, we're throwing our name in the hat here as somebody that's urging and encouraging a uh, dialogue toward this change. I think that's pretty significant, Marcos.
11: Well, I,
13: I do, too. Uh, and, you know, it's. What's interesting about that, I think, you know, winners are some of the larger schools with the larger fan bases and larger collectives. You know, Tennessee was certainly in that category and the Alabama's and the Ohio State's. But it's interesting, Vanderbilt, uh, I think a team that, and again, you could give me the information. Toward the bottom, uh, toward
7: the bottom in that yeah, regard. Yeah, they're, they're
13: towards the bottom. They've, they've suffered because of yes. the NIL. Yes. Um, which is, you know, maybe won't, we're not calling it that, but this, which is a de facto pay-per-play. You know, they just don't have the resources that a Tennessee has or or other schools have. And so they're one of the, I would argue, losers or people that, uh, and, again, I don't want to call them losers, but they've not benefited from this system. And when they're calling for it as well, doesn't that say so much, uh, in my opinion?
7: I would say yes. Can you give me a final thought here, Marcos, on the way out? And then Bino has something he would like to impart to you as well. And and I just – I really appreciate who you are. I appreciate your support of what we do. Uh, and, um, and I wholeheartedly thank you for spending, uh, a good hour or so of your birthday with us today.
13: Ah, dude, I'm just grateful to be part of this and, and to know, uh, you and Dino and, and be part of this, this family, uh, that, that you've put together. So, um, I don't know that, boy, we've talked a lot. I'm not sure what else I have to say. Let's field Bino's question, see if I come up with a uh, uh, a fairly clear
7: thought. Let's see what Bino has here. Beanstar, go ahead.
6: Well, Marcos, you're going to be disappointed because I really don't have a question. Tony uh, described my feelings uh, as a fan perfectly earlier. Uh, I'm frustrated. I'm aggravated. Uh, I feel helpless, and I'm out of my depth on this type of thing. And generally, when you come on here, Marcos, that's where I'm at. But I greatly appreciate the time that you give us. Just like Tony said, uh, you, you you provide a service that uh, is really, really hard to come by, and we certainly appreciate you being a part of the family. As far as the birth, I don't know why Tony didn't want to give you advice because he's a heck of a lot closer to 50 than I am. But I will tell you, uh, 50 might be a pretty big number. But how would you feel if you really didn't know how old you were? And I'm sure you're in that category. Happy birthday.
7: (laughs) That is a trick. Like, people ask me sometimes, Marcos. They'll say, how old are you? And I'll go, "Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, at some point, you just when you're 14, you can't wait to turn 15. You know, when you're 15, you can't wait to turn 16. When you're my age... You kind of can't wait to quit thinking about it.
13: You know, I I'm, uh, honest I'm not excited about turning fifty. From a uh, man, I just thought I'd have uh, my act together by the time I was fifty, and yeah. turns out I, uh, you know, I still feel like I'm twenty. Right. Um, on the other hand, it does beat the alternative, right? Well, not turning, not turning fifty. So. Yes,
7: my my, uh, my late great uncle Bob used to say whenever somebody passed away in our town. He would go, man, Uncle Bob was really, I have a lot of him in me, you know, very glib guy. Somebody would be sitting there going, man, sorry to see about old Johnny. And Uncle Bob would go, yeah, better him than me. But anyway, hey, Marcos, I yeah. love you. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. Hey, and everything thank you, you do. So much. GarzaLaw.com. Hey, but, thank you, brother.
13: But, but, yeah, we shouldn't storm the castle.
7: No. Thank you. That's another right. takeaway. So thank I mean,
13: you. Yeah, don't do that. Thank you,
7: thank you, thank you, Marcos. So, Brian, your inclination on that, Marcos, agrees with the storming of the castle is not a good idea.
8: Happy birthday, Marcos! Before we let too much more time pass, and yeah, I think um, I just think he also said you could end up in the popo's backseat if you do that.
7: Yeah, we don't we don't need to exacerbate that judge who sounds like a fair minded. Guy that Marco says he has a relationship with, and those of you that missed that, I'll post a link when the show's over. You'll be able to catch it in our archives. Maybe we'll cut that out even, because I, I think people around Rocky Top need to listen into that to really get a grasp for an understanding of what each side is saying. And uh, I thought that was time well spent. We'll take get a brief time out, get some calls in. We'll do all that as we continue and, and no doubt the TLD logistics overdrive overtime is coming as well after the
0: This is Trip Stoltz with Columbia Ace Hardware. I love listening to one oh one point seven WKOM FM Columbia, Tennessee
2: Celebrate love with Tillis Jewelry's exclusive Valentine's Day pink box special. Surprise your special someone with an exquisite piece from our collection, elegantly presented in a charming pink box. Each box comes with delectable chocolates and is adorned with a beautiful white bow. My name is Jenna, and this Valentine's Day, let's make it unforgettable. Because when you choose Tillis, you're not
5: just giving a gift, you're creating a moment that will be cherished forever. Brown's Body Shop, 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, or 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin, is here to serve Murray and Williamson County. We have over 50 years of business with all the experience combined. All insurance claims, as well as unibody and frame repairs, and glass claims are welcomed. Call today for selected insurance companies, 931-381-4915 Columbia, and Franklin, 615-794-1959. Or check us out at www.brownsbodyshop.com
9: Hi, I'm Kurt Green, and I'm with 7th Element, and we're going to be in the Columbia area at Columbia State Community College at the Cherry Theater, February 24th. That's Saturday, February 24th. And we would love for you to be there. You can get your tickets on Eventbrite. And just look for 7th Element and Friends. Concert's going to be at 6 p.m., 6 p.m., and you can find us at 7thelement.com, 7thelement.com.
5: It's February, and love is in the air all month. There's no better time to find your perfect match than this month with Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical. From now until February 29th, get a free UV light when you purchase select new HVAC systems from Hiller. It's the perfect pair for cleaner, healthier air inside. You'll never be more in love with your home. Find your perfect match today at HappyHiller.com. Happy you'll be, or the service is free. Call the Happy Face
11: Truck today. This
3: is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia.
7: You know, last week when this thing first came down, I thought it was kind of a nothing burger. But it's not. It's pretty serious. And when you get into a court of law, it's like a, you know, eventually the NCA will not, this is not going to stand. But there's such a thing as a battle and then a war. They're not going to win the war. They know that. But they could win this battle on the 13th. That's certainly possible. I'm not saying they will, but they could, and the fact that they could really pisses me off. Because you have been through enough. You know, at the end of the day, this fan base has been through enough, enough already. You just been through enough, and I understand that's why people wanna like uh, coalesce and go there. Bad idea. Bad idea. Great thought. Bad idea. But the war there's no way the NCA wins. But in, in, in a little skirmish, little skirmishes happen and people win little skirmish I mean and you know, within conflicts, little skirmishes occur and people come out on the winning side in skirmish and skirmishes. But everybody knows they can't win. It's just our luck that we're sitting here. In the midst of this, I'm gonna let Bino say a word about that, but it's gonna come in our TLD logistics overdrive overtime because I just looked at our clock, and we're way out of time. Um, But Marcos Garza was tremendous today. I really thank him. Hey, hey Marcos, happy birthday to you! And thank you for jumping in here with us uh, today. It is greatly appreciated. And and I learned a lot from you today. So time well spent. Thank you for doing that. In the meantime, we're going to watch this decision, see when it comes down, if it does. The judge doesn't have to say anything, again. But a TRO in favor of the states of Virginia and Tennessee would be a wonderful development. Would be a great sign. A great sign. But in the meantime, we love you, we appreciate you. To the radio listener, I want to say we'll come back and do it again tomorrow. Matt will be in here. Matt's going to have a piece of tclub.team on the win over Kentucky. We'll have more about this and and hopefully some word we get today or if we get no word what that means uh or today or tomorrow in the meantime because again we're, we're toggling deadlines here but we appreciate you we love you we thank you hope you have a great day TLD Logistics Overdrive Overtime continues where we talk about it here at tclub.team. Thanks.
0: This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia.